Hello, friends. It's me, Chris O'Mealy, joined by my good friend, Eric Flores. How are you, Eric? Hello. Hello, everybody. I'm doing great. Uh, you know, waking up, had my breakfast. Uh, we're about to film, film, record an episode of The Nerd Table pretty soon. And I'm doing great. How are you, Chris? I'm doing fantastic. I have a four-day work week now. And I get every Friday off, and my Fridays are now podcasting days. This is going to be fun. I don't know when you guys are actually listening to this episode, but we're recording it on a Friday in case you didn't get the hint from everything we just said. But, uh, Eric, let's uh, let's tell these fine folks what this show is going to be about, because this is a basically a test pilot episode. And the name of the show is called Park Hopper 101. Very interesting title. I think. Yes. I, I think we both had a little bit of uh, influence on the title name. <laughs> we, uh, we, and... we, we took, <laughs> we, we contributed two ideas, morphed it into one title and then giggled about what the title was. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, I so mean, <laughs> you know, it's, it's very, it's very promising because if you go out to these like guru books, they'd be like, Oh, how to invest one Oh one. Like investing 101 or something like that. Uh, so this is very fitting because it could be taken in multiple ways. Because if you have the insider knowledge of the parks, then you would know what 101 actually means. Oh, yes. But we're going to probably tell you anyway. So as you guys know, if you followed Eric and I on the Nerd Table or anything else on CKCC Radio between me or if you're a follower of Sick Minds of Matt and Eric, which is Eric's other podcast, or you just know us, and odds are you know us in some capacity, at least if you're listening to this episode shortly after we've released it, because I don't know who else would be listening to this. But you hi, know, Mom. Yeah. Hi, Mom. <laughs> hi, Dad. <laughs> Say hi to my sister. I don't know who else is listening to this. But Eric and I are both theme park employees, former theme park employees at this point. And we've both worked for the big two down in Central Florida. And not for nothing, but once you've kind of gotten into that theme park life, it never really leaves your blood, does it? No. No, it doesn't. And it, it stays in there. Like a really bad infection that just won't go away and it morphs into something else. It becomes part and of you, it becomes part of your personality. It, it alters your DNA. It's like it a, really does. It's like chasing the dragon. It's the dueling dragons, if you will. R.I.P. But Eric and I discussed the, the possibility of doing a theme park-themed podcast. This was something we had kind of toyed with early on when we had discussed possibly doing a podcast together. And my only reservation about doing a theme park-themed podcast is that I would worry that you would run out of material really quickly if you're just talking about theme parks and rides and shows and restaurants and whatever – and then I started kind of breaking it down, and I realized that, no, you've got years' worth of material for a show like this. If you don't put out the show weekly, which most podcasts pretty much come out weekly, or like my Simpsons podcast comes out twice a week, 
so what we decided to do was sort of make this like a mini-series style podcast. Uh, ideally, we'll probably put out one a month, but we can put out two or three or however many we can get. But what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the uh, the incredible rides at the parks that we've worked at, specifically Disney and Universal, both in Orlando, but really any theme park attraction could work. We would just have to have a bit of knowledge about it. And that's kind of where you guys are going to come in here, because the idea I came up with was, okay, so let's do a theme park theme show. Each episode will be about a specific ride or show or something related to the park or maybe that specific park in general. And we'll we'll kind of talk about the history of it. We'll talk about fun facts and trivia and everything and our personal experiences. But then what we also want to do is we want to reach out to you guys who may have worked at some of these rides or parks or are just really passionate about that ride or park and you know a lot about it. And we want to invite you onto the podcast to share your stories, to laugh with us, to deliver some fun facts, and basically just have a good time. Because you're listening to this show, which means you're probably passionate about this stuff, kind of like we are. And look at this, Eric. We're going to be positive and upbeat about the theme parks. Who would have guessed? Not me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. Like, that's... We're just like, oh, okay, so let's let's do this. You know, as much as we like bad talk the the theme parks, we only bad talk the theme parks because we were part of it. And now that we're not a part of it, I kind of miss it. I do too. That's the thing, right? You know, they they say absence makes the heart grow fonder. And now you and I have both moved out of Florida after living there for extended periods of time. You significantly longer than me. Because I moved after college. You went to school there. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Fucking public schools in Florida. This is why I don't know anything. Yeah. This might not be a very positive podcast about Florida, but but we, we do love our theme parks and we all have positive experiences going there. Yeah, we have negative too, and some of that's going to come out. But overall, this is going to be a more positive, upbeat, fun and funny show. Because we got lots of stories. We have lots of experiences. Uh, Yes, there will probably be some of the, the negative stuff where we talk about guest experiences or rides breaking and things like that. But we're going to tell them as funny stories, not depressing stories. That's the idea. I, so anyway. Actually... Every time that I've been on a, a ride that breaks, it's it's probably been a really good time. But that's just my like my personality type, I guess. Because I know how the ride is supposed to work and what it's supposed to do. So when it does something abnormal, I find it hilarious. Because that's the thrill that I'm I'm searching for at that point. Like, um, can I throw an example without ruining the show? Of course. <clears throat> Okay, so I went to go ride the Spider-Man ride at Islands of Adventure. Now, um, for those of you that don't know, it's basically, it's a 3D ride, but you're actually in a ride. But the vehicle's supposed to move to make you like feel like you're moving a lot faster or harder than you actually are. And there was one scene where uh, Spider-Man... Is supposed to catch you. Do you know what I'm talking about? 
Oh, yeah, I've been on that ride tons of times. Okay. Well, he did it. <laughs> it the, the, he was supposed to. The screen went black, and then the vehicle just kind of just shook, and then it never stopped shaking. And, and like, for, like, a, a solid... And, and it was a really long time. Ten seconds doesn't sound like a long time, but when you're on a ride that's not functioning properly... a long properly, time for a ride to shake you around, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's a really fucking long time. But it was, like, ten seconds where it wasn't, it wasn't violent. It was kind of just more like a, a vibration. It's almost like riding in a car where the suspensions are gone and you're going on a brick road. You know, kind of like that. So it's just sitting there for like a solid 10 seconds. And then the intercom comes on. And to me, it was the funniest fucking thing. People around me thought I lost my mind. But I was just like, this is great. Because this is I was supposed to just ride this once before I clocked in. And now I'm going to be late for my shift. So there was a lot of things that were like funny. That was just like, this would be my luck. <laughs> But that's just it. If so, you, you and I are both fascinated by technology, too. And we have an interest in the actual details of how these rides work, which is something that I want to tackle on the show, actually looking into some of these attractions and really kind of breaking down the mechanics. Not in, like, not in like too much tech garble where the, the layman aren't going to understand it, although... We can kind of explain what some of that is, but you know what I'm saying. Like, I'm fascinated by how the special effects work and how the suspension is supposed to work and how does the ride do this and how does that effect work and, God, how much did that animatronic cost? (laughs) And that animatronic only costs that much? Why didn't you spend more? So stuff like that always fascinates me. What does that animatronic shake the foundation? Yeah. (laughs) Why did you build a foundation around an animatronic? Oh, we'll we'll do a whole episode on that. That's a that's a teaser. <laughs> but at the same time, because you and I both work there and we have a bit of knowledge of how the rides are supposed to go and also the understanding that things don't always go the right way. I mean, when you have a ride breakdown and you discover that people that you're <laughs> have to maybe possibly evac off the ride, and that has happened to both of us, um, when you find out that they work there, or that they're they're regulars and they come all the time. They're not the ones that are ever bothered by it. In fact, some of them are f- just as fascinated as we are and think it's the coolest thing in the world. And I I actually do know a couple of people who've never worked at the parks. Like I've got a, some family, my aunt and uncle, for example, that happened to them ironically on the Spider Man ride too, where they the ride got put into. I'm, I'm trying to remember the the term now because it's been a while, but the basically the evac mode where it just kind of cycles through without doing the effects. And they thought that was cool, but they also frequent the parks. They would go annually kind of thing. So it's not like it was a big deal that this happened to them. I can understand somebody being upset when it's their first time, possibly their only time, blah, blah, blah. And, other stuff's gone wrong that day. So I do get that, and I do sympathize with them. And I'm sure we'll have some stories about that, too. But you know you know what it's like. You're just like, wait, yeah. this isn't working, and they put the lights on? I've got to look around. i got to see this. I, I think it's one of those... You have to look at it in this point of view. 
you went to a location to experience what everybody else experiences, but you got something more. You got something more unique. You got to experience something that most people don't get to experience. And yes, it's not the normal experience, but guess what? You can still have that normal experience, and now you have something, you have a unique experience on top of it. Because the number of people that ride Space Mountain in a day is a very, very high number. The amount of people who've gotten stuck on Space Mountain and then even evac off of Space Mountain is a significantly smaller number. And yeah, it might seem like a lot in the to us who work there, but if you really broke it down and wrote down and put those two numbers side by side, the number would be astronomically different. It really would. Yeah. And contrary, I mean, it's not as high as like winning the lottery, but it's still no. pretty high. But contrary to popular belief, rides also don't break as often as people like to think that they do. It's just that, you know how it is. Unless we work at the... Well. <laughs> Unless we work them, yeah. If you guys listen to the Nerd Tape, we've already heard some of those stories, but we'll repeat more of them on this show in the future when we get to certain rides. That will be a fun episode, by the way, when we talk about the ride we worked at together. So what I kind of want to do for this pilot here is... To sort of introduce everybody to the show and then also kind of open the doors so people understand what we're going for here, let's talk about our first experiences going to the parks, what our kind of history was as guests, a little bit about our history working at the parks, if uh, Disney and Universal, because I know we did both. We won't have to talk about specific details there. I'd like to save that for future episodes, you know, the juicier details if you catch my drift. Gotcha. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, we, I do. We got to tease people so they'll come back. That's the point. <laughs> we can't just can't just blow all our content in one episode. And we can talk about um, just uh, just our our favorite our favorite rides and our favorite parks real quick. And again, we're gonna open up the door here. We're not gonna have like a set number of episodes or anything like that or an order that we're going to go in. But let's say you guys listen to this, and then tomorrow, after I've re we've recorded, or after you've listened to this, I get contacted by two separate people who both happen to work at, just as an example, Rock and Roller Coaster. And they're like, oh, I want to come on your show and talk about Rock and Roller Coaster. So we'll... And I'm like, great, I've got two people for it. The next episode will now be about the Aerosmith Rock and Roller Coaster. That way we can talk about the history of it getting built, some of the tech that goes into it, the theming of the ride, fun stories, etc. That just happens to be the next episode because those are the people who contacted me. So after you guys listen to this, if you want to come on and talk about a specific ride, and there's not really a limit to how many people we can have come on and talk about stuff, I mean, I don't want there to be like 10 people on the episode, but to me, when I've done roundtable podcasts, a good number is to have a host plus four guests, and we've got two hosts, so I would say two hosts plus three guests. So we could probably max out at a five-person roundtable here. I think that sounds good, Eric. That way, it's not too many people talking over one another. I mean, we did a... We sounds did a, good to me. Yeah, we did a nerd table with five people. It was four until you showed up halfway through it, but... We still pulled it off. It was a Christmas miracle. It was. It was. It was literally a Christmas miracle. It was our Christmas episode. So what I want you guys to do is to reach out to us and 
you can contact me directly. I'll put the email in the description here. But the email I use for the show is omelipodcasts at gmail.com. And I will put that in the description of the episode. You guys can email me directly. If you have me on social media, you can contact me that way. I'm on Facebook. I'm also on Twitter, at Chris O'Mealy. You can contact Eric on Twitter, at TechBadger6. Or you can also email Eric directly. If you'd like to give your email, Eric, you can. Or we can say that. Oh, okay. Well, the, the only one that I have right now is Sick Minds of Matt and Eric. So you could just yeah, just write um, to yeah, write to you at that show then. Yeah, sick minds of Matt and Eric at gmail.com. Uh, it's a lot. It's a lot there. But sick minds of Matt and you. Eric at gmail.com. But I'll have both emails in the description of the episode so you guys can reference them. Uh, any way you want to get in touch with us is fine. And just say, hey, when you guys talk about these rides or these shows or this restaurant or this park in particular or whatever, you would really want to come on and be a part of the conversation. We'll write your name down and then we'll work around your schedules too. Eric and I are decently flexible. We both work during the day, obviously, but usually our evenings are free. There's, there's a small window in the evening we could put aside to do a podcast. Uh, Fridays and Saturdays are ideal. So if you can work that into your schedule. And once we'll be able to push everyone together, we'll record and release an episode. So, but we'll try to also announce it beforehand. That's kind of the plan going into this, I think. Because the roundtable discussions are what's going to be the most fun. So reach out to us and tell us what you would want to come on and talk about. And the limit is not just Disney and Universal Studios either. If you want to talk about Cedar Point or Hershey Park, or Great Adventure, or Six Flags, or Busch Gardens, or Legoland. Just because we haven't worked there or might not be familiar with stuff doesn't mean we're not interested in having you on to tell us about it. It's because the service industry. We all know about the service industry. Exactly. I hope we get somebody from Gatorland or, like, Fun Spot. That would be amazing. I would totally, totally uh, talk to them. And reach out to your friends and give them this podcast, too, and let them know what we're doing here, because... We don't know everybody who's obviously works in the theme park industry, but we have a wide we each have a wide circle of people and all of those people have their own wide circles because that's one thing I learned at the theme parks is you make a lot of friends very quickly. And they've all been all over the place and have worked at all these different places. <laughs> and the stories we can swap are just phenomenal. So, because it's just me and Eric on this episode, we'll talk personally about our personal experiences and then that way we can save specific ride instances for those specific episodes so eric i'll start with you do you remember your very first trip to either walt disney world or universal i do actually so i never actually got to experience the parks with my family even to this day um well, no, I guess that's a lie because I eventually, when I worked at the parks, I let my parents in. But uh, as as far as them taking me, it's never happened, and that's just because we didn't have the income to to do so. But there was a field trip <clears throat> from my school. I think I was in like I was little. I was probably like eight, nine, ten, somewhere around there, and we went to Epcot of all places 
And I got separated from the group <laughs> in Interventions because they had, at the time, the um, all the video games there. Like, you could play The Lion King and, and all that stuff. Um, I'm not sure when your first time going to the parks, but do you remember that at all? I just, I'm just laughing because knowing you the way I know you, I can see you getting distracted by a video game and losing the rest of your group. Like, that's entirely oh plausible. <laughs> <laughs> I did get separated from the group, and I, I ended up waiting at guest relations for almost, like, an hour uh, until somebody came and looked for me. They, I don't think they even noticed that I was fucking gone, bro. But I got to experience the park on my own, and I think I, I preferred it that way. And, you know, not a single cast member asked me how old I was or, like, where my group was or, or nothing. I just walked around like I fucking owned the place. I had no idea where anything was. And the only reason I even went to guest relations is because I got hungry. So my <laughs> driving factor was This is the most Eric games. story ever. <laughs> <laughs> and... They hooked me up, man. I, I told them that I was hungry, and they got me food. They, um, I don't know if it was still called Electric Umbrella, but that little at the time, but like they pretty much got me food from Electric Umbrella, and I got to eat. And then uh, the chaperone showed up, and then we left. <laughs> but that was my experience um, as a kid. That was my first trip to any park. Uh, was a school field trip. And then my first trip to Universal was a church trip. We did like um oh man, what's it called? And it was a church event, and I ended up going to Universal. And I was more excited about going to Universal than I was going to Disney. And and it wasn't because, like, oh, I, I don't like Disney or anything like that. But I was obsessed with Nickelodeon. And we had the Nickelodeon. Like, things were actually being filmed. Oh, yes. At the studio. Nickelodeon Studios. And that's another thing I want to quickly point out on this podcast is this isn't just about current stuff either. We're going to talk about stuff from the past. We're going to talk about Nickelodeon Studios, the Back to the Future ride. We're going to talk about Alien Encounter and how much I hated that they got rid of it. Like... We're going to talk about all this stuff. We're even going to talk about the holiday exclusive stuff. There will be a Mickey's Not So Scary episode. There will be a Halloween Horror Nights episode. Yes. There, I have so many stories just about those. So we'll, we'll save those. But well, Oh, yeah. We'll save um, I was excited for because of Nickelodeon, man. Like, I I watched a lot of Nickelodeon growing up. Not at my house, but, you know, we had babysitters and stuff like that. And we would just watch... Like Nicktoons, like old school Nicktoons. You and I basically and, grew up on Nickelodeon because we're we're the same age. I'm only a year older than you, so we came from the exact same generation. Like, right? We so grew, you know, we grew up on Nickelodeon shows. We grew up with watching Double Dare and Legends of the Hidden Temple. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. And trying to figure out why people can't put three fucking pieces of a statue together. <laughs> oh my god, it's three pieces. Why do they always mess up the silver monkey? Well, you know, they're under pressure. It's harder. Uh, I don't buy that for a second. I mean, I buy a little bit, but... There, there's the under pressure the thing time, I can get, but yeah. Uh, can you imagine, like, 
under pressure and you're being filmed. Like that, it's way more pressure than you you would think. But they didn't but, shoot like, the I, temple in front of a live it. studio audience, so there should have been no distractions. That's true. That's true. Yeah, <clears> I was. So I got to be super on excited show. going there. I got to. Um, I got to do the what was it? Jimmy Neutron, I think. It was yeah, it was still Jim. It was just opened up actually, so I'm not sure if I'm pointing out my age or not. But it used to be <laughs> Hanna Barbera, <clears throat> but yes. I missed out on that era. Oh, uh, that's I missed out on that era. We'll talk about that ride because yes, that was that was my obsession when I was a kid was the Hanna Barbera ride. And then I was also obsessed with movies at this time because I wanted to be a like a producer or a director rather. So I was obsessed with movies and I was obsessed with one in particular or at the park. And that was back to the future. Mm-hmm. So here I am growing up and I watched jaws and I watched back to the future and I watched Terminator. So I'm super excited to be at the studios, man. Like it was crazy that like all this stuff that I watched was like right around the corner from each other. Like they were all there. And now all and three then, are gone. And all three are fucking gone. I'm I'm dead inside. Wait, I didn't know Terminator was gone. What what they replaced that with? Uh as of this recording, I'm not hundred percent sure it's been replaced with anything I'm familiar with right now. I'd actually have to look that up. But I do know that that show no longer exists. Oh man. Now I'm sad. But I loved all of those. It was great. Um, so I'm so sad about that. That's awesome. But I was more excited to go to Universal than I was for Disney. And that's just because of my age and my passion at the time was more towards Universal than it was towards Disney. I had nothing against it. <clears throat> I knew that Disney was like the vacation spot, right? I knew that like I loved Aladdin and stuff like that. But there was no – outside of the carpet ride – Right, there's no Aladdin ride, oh, and I yeah. only went to Epcot. As a kid, there's not a whole lot to do at Epcot. I mean, now there is. Now you got a whole bunch of stuff, but at the time, you had Living with the Land, you had a boat ride, you had uh, Body Wars, and that was it. Cranium Crusader was there. Interventions was, was good for kids. <laughs> Interventions was great for kids. And that's why I spent most of my time at Interventions playing video games and stuff. <laughs> I remember I, I won't, wonder, I won't I won't tell I, any specific stories because we gotta save that, but when I was working at Interventions on that side, when they had some of the modern video games like the Cars game on PlayStation and whatever, I remember how many times I'd have a parent rip the kid away going, I did not bring you to Disney World to play video games. Like, okay. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. You brought your kid here to have fun, and he was having fun until you ripped him away. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? I'm on but... the kid's side. I'm on the kid's side of all this shit, by the way. For that, like, for that one, I'm on the kid's side. Yeah. Like, so it, it, it's the same thing. Like, you buy your cat a, a toy, and they want to play with the box more than the damn toy. Who are you to like take away their joy? They're happy about the box. I, I swear I could just go to Home Depot right now and buy a, bu- a bunch of fucking boxes and make my cat's day. Yeah. <laughs> They'd be like, holy shit. 
Absolutely. I've, I can't tell you how many times I've had to throw away a box because I left it exposed and it got chewed, scratched, and basically destroyed. And I was like, I could have put stuff in that box, but they they decided it was their box. So what about you? What was your first park experience for both, since I did both? So I'll talk. I, I did attend Walt Disney World at the age of two. Now, obviously, I don't really have memories from that. But my one of my earliest memories that I can remember is standing in Figment's Tunnel. This would have been 1986. So it was the OG Tunnel. And the OG figment. But I have a very distinct memory of being in that tunnel and just being fascinated by the colors and everything. And also meeting figment. That is one of my earliest memories. And that's why I've always felt... I think that's actually why I've always had somewhat of an attachment to Epcot. Is because that's my earliest Disney memory. None of my Disney memories from the age of two involve Mickey or the Magic Kingdom or even the monorail. It was Figment. But we first took our first major Disney trip that I could remember in... I was in fourth grade. Because I distinctly remember sitting down with my teacher, getting all the homework assignments I was going to be missing to go on vacation that year. And in New Jersey, they have teachers' convention. And I'm sure you remember this in November. Like, the second week in November, we would always get a big influx of people from New Jersey. Because Teacher's Convention Week would happen, and that was a three-day school week. So a lot of families would take their kids on vacation because they're only missing three days of school. And then the teachers are off. So you get that big influx of New Jersey. Because I remember always talking to people, hey, where are you guys from? We're from New Jersey. I'm like, oh, Teacher's Convention. And then they'd read my name tag, Vernon, New Jersey. They'd be like, oh, yeah, you know. You get it. Oh, I get it. So... We always did Disney and Universal as one vacation because we went when I was in fourth grade and then we went again when I was 16. And uh, that was when my sister was dating her now husband, Dan. And he that was like his first time coming on a family vacation with us with the whole we got to sleep in separate bedrooms thing. So me, Dan and my dad slept in the. Fort Wilderness, uh, I shouldn't, I said, almost said lodge. It's the cabin, the, uh, the cabins. Cause we always stay at the Fort Wilderness campground. We slept in the bedroom, which had the two bunk beds and then the, the queen size bed. My dad slept in the big bed. Dan and I took the bunk beds and my mom and my sister slept in the big bed out in the living room. And we would always do, we always did magic kingdom, Epcot studios and animal kingdom in that order. Obviously, Animal Kingdom wasn't around when I first went in fourth grade because that was like 1994. But we, we always had like the order that you do the stuff in, right? And the 16 trip was the year 2000 because that was the – they had the, the big 2000 thing on the Epcot ball. I remember that. The big millennium anniversary special, whatever. I don't know if you remember that at all, but – I mean it stayed around for quite a while. Quite a while, even after the new year, but yes. So we were there then, and uh, so I was able to experience Disney as a kid and a teenager and still appreciate everything that was going on there, because as a kid, I loved my rides, and I was also tall enough to go on everything that I wanted to, which is a key factor 
in, I believe, taking your kid to their first Disney experience if they're becoming somewhat of a ride junkie is wait till they're tall enough to go on everything so you don't have to deal with the the crying and the, the hardship that'll come with that. Because I genuinely feel bad for those kids. Kids that they experience a roller coaster and they want more. Because let me tell you, I was scared of roller coasters for a while. And then my very first roller coaster that did stuff was at uh, was in Virginia Beach at Busch Gardens. And it was a hanging coaster. So I, I jumped in balls out pretty much when I... Because before that, all of my coasters were basic wooden coasters that went up and down. And then I got on a freaking hanging coaster, legs dangling, corkscrews, loops, everything. And that I got off of that, and I'm like, why have I been avoiding these for so long? And then I became the adrenaline junkie. You go through that phase. Now yeah, I remember that phase. Now I'm looking at that new Velocicoaster and everything that's going to going and wondering if my 36-year-old body can handle it. <laughs> but... So that's that's the progression there. But what I distinctly remember is that as a kid, I appreciated everything. And then as a teenager, I still was having fun. And I think that was the key thing of why I became obsessed with the parks is I was still having fun. And that, of course, is the key thing. We always did the Disney parks and then we did a day at Universal. And that's how I got to go on all the Universal rides. So I always associated those two parks together as one big vacation thing, right? Because that was my big thing, was that's what I grew up going on vacations doing. And I did get to experience Disneyland and Universal Hollywood one time, and California Adventure when it was, like, brand new, so there was nothing there but Soarin'. So I didn't experience that much California. (laughs) California Adventure. I know it's better now, but, and I will want to talk about that when we talk about some of these rides, because honestly, we could probably do a Haunted Mansion episode and talk about both Haunted Mansions, as long as we can get enough people who've experienced both and are knowledgeable in both, because I don't personally know anybody who worked in California, but who knows, we might recruit somebody to come on the show and talk about it. So that was basically my first experiences. Uh, let's talk about actually becoming employed there. How did that work out for you? Um, you know, I actually I got hired at Universal first, right? Like, it's not my first job, but it was my first theme park job. And I was super excited about it uh, because I was still wanted to make movies and, and all that stuff. I, I feel like that drive's never gone away, right? Like, if somebody were to be like, hey, we need, like, a cameraman, I'd be like, I'm down. Let's go. Let's do this. But, no, I get you. Uh, I've got a I have a broadcasting background, and honestly, now with uh with this new work schedule, Friday is now officially designated as a fifth workday for me. But it's uh it's a creative workday. I'm going to do podcasts. I'm going to write. I'm going to stream. You know what I mean? I I never lost that desire to be creative, and I know you haven't either. I don't know if I'd ever want to make a a full-length motion picture anymore like I wanted to. Now, I really want to write a book and keep doing these podcasts and just be entertaining on the internet. See, I I still want to make a story. Like, I I love doing this, but I still want, like, to tell a story. Uh, There's something about, like, being able to manipulate somebody's feelings to feel something. (laughs) I know that sounds terrible, 
but that's what a movie or like fucking Pixar is famous for it, man. You watch a Pixar movie, you're gonna cry. <laughs> like that's just they're out to make you cry. Sometimes it's at the beginning of the movie and sometimes it's at the end of the movie. Sometimes it's both. It depends on what they're <laughs> feeling this time around. Yeah, right? Like and uh and you never know. You're just like, "Oh, this seems like just a plain fun movie. Oh, they're in a trash compactor." Oh god. <laughs> like <laughs> you know what I mean? But anyway, uh so I applied at Universal thinking hey, this is my, like, foot into the door type of thing. Plus, you know, the parks are cool, and you get the perks of going to it for free. And I don't live too far, so, hell, why not? So I applied, and I, I got hired, and uh, I, it just... It didn't dawn on me that they were still treated as two separate entities, the recordings, because at, at this time, they were still recording Nickelodeon stuff there. But it was, like two things like two shows right. or something uh, you probably would have had to actually apply nickelodeon studios instead of the theme park right but i didn't know that at the time i mean i was like 18 and i just figured it was all owned by universal i didn't know who owned what right so it's um i didn't <sighs> universal has gone through like phases of owning things to not owning things to being owned by different things like it's it's really fucking weird but that could be a whole episode uh, that, right there <laughs> the history yeah. of who owns who owns this and who owns that and what the hell and the funny thing was they asked me like during the interview process like well why do you want to work here and i told them like i'm actually a big fan of nickelodeon and stuff like that and i really wanted to work like doing that stuff and, and that drive and they're just like okay um oh well we'll hire you and that my first position at universal was for jimmy neutron and i was like this is it i'm working for, for universal. <laughs> I, but, but like it was close i was so close so that that was pretty much uh that was pretty much it and then, then you, I realized, well, how'd you end up at Disney? On. So I did something. We'll leave that for another episode that um, will not let me continue working at Universal Studios anymore. Yeah, you can you can find that old episode of the Nerd Table, but I'm not going to tell you where it is. You have to listen <laughs> yeah. to all of them to find that story. But yeah, we'll tell that again. Um. So I had to find another job, and I really, at this point, I enjoyed working attractions. I, I like, like, you know, uh, creating happiness. I uh, like that, that sensation and just kind of helping families and stuff like that. So I was like, okay, well, it's going to be another theme park. And I applied at um, SeaWorld. I applied at Wet n' Wild. I applied at Disney. And what was the other Gatorland park? No, not Gatorland. <laughs> that would have been it, awesome, it, though. Yeah, um, it was pretty much either. It was off of International Drive. It's part of. Fun, it's part of Sea World. Not Fun Spot. It's a, no, the Dolphin One Cove, something called. Oh, whatever. Discovery Cove. Discovery Cove. So I applied for all that, and uh, Disney was like the first one to to like get back to me they literally got back to me the next day 
and they're like, hey, um, we see that you wanted to work for us. You're looking at attractions. They wanted to offer me food and beverage. And then I think I said something that like really made them decide me to like put me in attractions. And I'm just like, well, I don't think I can have the same kind of experience, like making people smile by selling food. So I'm sorry. And then they're like, well, hold on. That's actually uh, like, you know, they, they were like, oh, that's really cool. Like I, I, we never actually had anybody turn down a position. They're all like looking for stuff. And you said the one thing that we really need in attractions, which is people wanting to create that kind of experience. So yeah, that I wasn't even supposed to have attractions. Like that wasn't the, the position they wanted me to have. That's interesting. I have a, okay. When I talk about universal, I have a very similar story, but go on. That's interesting Uh, though. And then they applied for me. They're like, well, you know, what kind of stuff do you, do you like at Disney? And I'm like, well, to be perfectly honest, I don't come here a lot. It's out of my price range. I've only been to Epcot and, and stuff like that. Uh, but, you know, I like roller coasters because at this point I, I had been to Busch Gardens on another trip. And I really enjoyed the, the roller coasters over there. And I was like, well, you know, I like roller coasters and stuff like that. And they're just like, okay, um, you're – going to be hired you're going to sunset boulevard uh and i'm just like oh cool what does that mean (laughs) (laughs) yeah you don't know you don't know you don't know all the names yet (laughs) (laughs) right so uh they're just like well it's um they have um that it's the location that has the nighttime spectacular it has tower of terror um it has theater of the stars or tots and it has rock and roller coaster. And it's like, oh, so do you know which one? Like, well, they normally start you off in one. And then eventually you can get trained in like all of these locations. And I was like, okay, that's, that sounds amazing. I, I, I'm over here. I'm hoping I start I, like, uh, uh, I wanted rock and roller coaster. Let's be real. So I, I was hoping that they would start me off at rock and roller coaster. And I did. Now, there was some – it was a bad first day. It was a terrible first day. And I, I'm, I'm going to try to keep it positive. Um, but it's, it's very difficult to do. Something happened where the attraction had to be closed for more than a day. It was like two days. An investigation had to occur uh, because of an incident that took a life of an individual. Hmm. And it was my first day at my first position right in front of me. Mm. So I was just like, well, okay. In my mind, I was like, I don't know if this ride is safe or not. And but I'm just like, no, the, the ride did exactly everything perfect. It was a medical condition. And it's unfortunate, but I did form a very tight group with the people that worked at that attraction at that time. And I, I um, think, I, I think I I want to point out that yes, there are one hundred percent stories of people dying on theme park rides, but it's so incredibly rare that it's because of something the ride did 
that you that should not dissuade you from going on them and having a good time. I honestly want to say that it's never been the ride. Like all of these things that happen, it's not the ride. It's, it's some medical sort of conditions or or people not listening to the safety instructions because we know people have gotten hurt doing that. Yeah, we've been witnesses yeah. to that. So yeah. So please don't let don't let stories like that ever dissuade you from having fun. Riding a theme park ride is actually super safe. Kind of like the whole thing about how like people are afraid of flying or they're afraid of doing something like skydiving and yet that's probably way safer, like exponentially safer than driving to the airport or driving to your skydiving lesson, right? Like in fact, you have a better chance of being severely injured in your own home than you do on an airplane. So don't let stuff that's that's going to be a positive message we can send here. Don't let stuff like that dissuade you. But yeah, now go Correct. on. So, so that was your first ride. And that is an unfortunate so that way was, to tie in. Yeah, it was un unfortunate. And I did stay w at Rock and Roller Coaster for like six months. But um, I got very close with everybody there. It was very it was a lot of fun. The managers were great. The coordinators were great. The cast was great. Um, the incident was terrible. But the people from security that, like, handled that investigation, uh, they they were, like, rock stars, man. Like, I know people are like, oh, they're like little Mickey cops. Uh, but they're, they were fantastic. Uh, so much so. That even though I wanted to create happiness, I fell for the security role. And I was like, okay, I'm going to apply to become Disney security. And I did that for three years <clears throat> until I realized it's, it's not the same. So I love making people happy, um, guest or cast. But you never, ever get called to sing like happy birthday when you're in security it's never <laughs> a good fucking call you never like hey come over here and celebrate it's always hey can you get this guy to pull up his pants or something like ridiculous or like negative there's always some sort of negative like connection to security um that i personally was just like i can't do this anymore i'm not having fun i'm, I'm not helping anybody I mean, I, I am helping any like someone, but like it's all, it's just absorbing all this negativity, and I just couldn't fucking do it anymore. So I went back to attractions uh, after three years. You know, I've I've often said this, and I think I, I actually stick by it, especially because I've done hotel security before. So I, uh, I, I think it still holds up pretty well. Um, if you're going to work at something like Disney or Universal, I think you should do something like attractions and you should work at something you can't do elsewhere. And I'll talk about this with the uh, when we talk about my history, but I think the best jobs at the parks are things you can't do anywhere else. I don't want to be a waiter at a theme park restaurant. I want to work a roller coaster. Because I can't oh, just on. go do that anywhere. I would love to be a waiter <laughs> at a Disney park. <laughs> I'm not going to say any names, 
but I have a friend who worked at, uh, you know, I can't even say the, I don't know if it's still open or not. Actually, I don't think it is anymore. So screw it. I had a friend who worked at Mama Melrose, who was a waiter who worked there like three days every other week. Well, he had alternating days. He was one day on, one day off, one day on, one day off. Okay. And he he roughly made about four to five hundred dollars a day that he worked in tips. Yeah. Okay. Well. So, okay. So bad if example. If I had my chance, <laughs> I would right. definitely be a waiter. <laughs> okay. But bad example. I get what you're trying to say. Okay. Let me try it this way. I wouldn't want to work as a cashier for Walt Disney World. I can go be a cashier anywhere. That has a cash register. I want to work at the coaster because I can't do that anywhere. How's that for an example? Is that better? Better example. Or or, or do cashiers make these tips that I'm not aware of that I that I realize I regret all of my attraction life decisions all of a sudden. No. Realizing no, what I could I, have been doing. It's just the way your position was the terrible example. Okay. Everything I've... else. Retail, cashier. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to do any of that. Fair. 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 <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. See, I told you we're going to have fun on this show. <laughs> okay. So you did attractions and you pretty much just did attractions until you got a uh, f- full-time coordinator roles, right? Did you do anything else? Yeah, I else? think once. No. Once once I came back into attractions, I started off in, in Fantasyland, right? I did. Um, I worked at like Winnie the Pooh, Teacups, Snow White, Dumbo, uh, Philhar Magic, which is. For, for those of you that don't know, well, all of these rides are in Fantasyland. Philhar Magic is a 3D musical w- mixed yeah. with like Disney Disney IPs. We'll just say that. Um, I did. It's a Small World, Peter Pan. Like I literally worked every attraction in Fantasyland, including the Carousel. And I hate the carousel. It's out of all the things, I get it. It's super old. It's it's iconic and whatnot. But um, it's one of those things where like you have carousels everywhere. It's not specific to Disney. You know what I mean? It's right. not a Disney attraction. It's just a generic attraction. Right. That's another thing when we. I want to cover pretty much everything there is to cover, but I I don't think you can do an entire episode on just the carousel. So for something like that, I would say let's combine a bunch of small rides into one episode. I think that would make the most sense. Okay. Because I could probably do an entire thing on Philhar Magic, but I don't think I could do an entire episode on the Swiss Family Robinson Treehouse. You know, never experienced it. I did it once to do it, so I can say that I've done it. It's not a ride. It's, you know, but okay, so you did Fantasyland, then where? Do, do, you, do you have your list? Because I've got my list of attractions I've done, and I will talk about them. I, I memorize them. It's one of those things like you worked at Disney, you memorize this oh, stuff. Like, hell, it, it yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, you do. So after that, I put in for a transfer to 
uh, Epcot at uh, in Interventions, and that is when I started my. So when I made it back to attractions after doing security, I wasn't looking for advancement or anything. I just wanted to bring back that fun of working an attraction, bringing back that joy. And I wasn't super serious about a whole bunch of stuff. So I wasn't being taken seriously at Fantasyland anymore. So I couldn't, uh, now that I wanted to grow within the company, I couldn't at, at that location. Um, because of my own choices. So I had to leave that area and I went to Epcot and I still had fun. This is where we met. Um, you know, I worked at some of all thrills. Mm-hmm. Um, I got trainer there. I got coordinator there. Uh, and my journey just continued. So as far as, um, we got Epcot trainer goes, together. We got to go to the we training. Did. We got to go to the training class together. I remember that. We did because it, it was a lot of fun. Because we were we were we were getting mad at each other for not knowing the answers to the Jeopardy questions. Because it was you, me, Katie, Jessica, and Nolan. And we're like, guys, we should be way better than these other people here. We're obviously the smart people. We see how <laughs> we see how that worked out. <laughs> Oh man, it was it was rough. Oh, it was so much fun though. It was. So, I'm just gonna say, in adventures as a whole, right? Because I, I don't want to be like, oh, the Great Piggy Bank Adventure and well, you and did IBM you did interventions and, and host, stuff. not presenter. There was two different roles. Correct. There was spieling and non-spieling because I did everything. But <laughs> listen, I sometimes sat in as a fire greeter. Okay. Oh, I know. <laughs> or no, uh, storm storm greeter rather. I know. Because you, you had to, but those because I had to, they weren't that hard. <laughs> it's just here's some glasses. There you go. Um, yeah, they're not that hard. <laughs> and then once I got trainer, and I wanted to become a coordinator, they were just like, "Well, you know, we would make you a coordinator, but this isn't high impact, and we we don't know how you would do with high impact." Keep in mind, I worked at like rock and roller coaster and stuff like that, but they don't know that. And even when I went to Fantasyland, Fantasyland as a whole is high impact. I was about to say, there's no way that you could do something like Peter Pan's flight and not consider that high impact with how long that wait time is all the time. Right, right. But I wasn't a serious cast member then, remember? Okay, so that's, that's why I had to leave. That's So fair. I was like, oh, okay, I get it. So they're like, we're going to give you something a little bit more high impact. We're going to bring you over to living with the land. I was like, what? That is not high impact. I see more people like, okay, whatever. So I Soren is high impact. With the land. I don't know. And, I um, did, you know what, though? I did living with the land. And I got to say, we did much better than you would think that ride probably does. I mean, I agree. Right, but like if you look at the the amount of people that go through that building and go down the stairs, and who where are they turning? Soren or living with the land? Okay, because That's I fair. guarantee you, it's like this: it's Soren, living with the land, leave the building. It's in that order. <laughs> yeah, poor so circle of life. Your rush, you your rush came from a Soren dump. Yep, I remember that. Which is fine because, you know, like, 
depending on how how <laughs> how fast the loaders are at Soren, you can pretty much predict how busy you're going to be for most of the day. And I realized that. And I think I think the leaders also realized that because we started timing the dumps and preparing everything. So uh, they also trained me at Soren, and then they gave me coordinator. And then I never worked on that in that building again. I literally just stayed <laughs> over at Interventions until I finally got trained over at uh, Figment. Uh, Figment and Captain EO. And then I coordinated those two locations. Basically, I coordinated Figment and um, Interventions. Let's okay. see what else, what else was after that. Great movie ride. Oh, yeah. After that was great movie ride, man. So after that, I was like, okay, I love coordinating. I'm literally in a position where, yes, I do get called to do some, um, to some negative things, but I have that experience because of the security. I still working in attraction. I'm making people happy both sides now because, like, I'm actually in a position where I can help cast members like my fellow coworkers and I'm still in a position where I can help out guests. That was literally the perfect job for me. And I was just like, this is what I want to do full time. And I try to become a status coordinator there, but you know, I haven't completely stopped my slacking off or goofing off at this location. So I also had to put in uh, for different locations. And I was just like, you know what I'm going to put in for, uh, I I always wanted to work the great movie ride, so I took a shot in the dark, and that was my number one. I was like, all right, great movie ride. If I get it, I get it. It's fine, whatever. And then I also put in for Fantasyland because I knew that they were looking for coordinators. And I put in for Frontierland because I knew they were looking for coordinators. I literally just looked around, found the areas that were in desperate need of status coordinators, and applied for that. And my first call back was great movie ride. <clears throat> And oh my god, that interview, man. That interview for the status coordinator position couldn't have gone any better for me. So I'm super nervous. I don't like talking to people I don't know. And I walk into this guy's office. He's got a lightsaber. He's got a Doctor Who um, uh, TARDIS on his desk. He's got like all this nerdy stuff, Marvel included. This is before I, we even owned Marvel. So I'm just like, oh, man. So I just started talking to him. I don't remember a single interview question. I remember questions, but we just talked like normal people. And uh, he's just like, well, why do you want to do this? And I'm just like, well, I love it. Uh, honestly, like I, I like my cast now, but they're not they don't have any open spots for status coordinator. And I still got to look towards my future. And uh, he's just like, yeah, I'm impressed with everything. So what, what made me get the job is that I recognized all the nerdy stuff. <laughs> and then I got my dream job <clears throat> over at the Great Movie Ride. Which is awesome. Which is. is great. That will be a uh, whole episode, a perfect too. Job. Yeah. Yeah, it will. Um, and then, unfortunately, the Great Movie Ride was going to be closing. And everybody was kind of given a little bit of time. Like nobody was told directly, hey, it's closing. But there were so many hints. They were making so many changes. They were taking away our 
feels right. Like we, this was an attraction that was 20, you know, it was over 20 minutes in length. There was spieling involved. There are actual prop weapons involved. And there was no spieling pay, but nobody complained because they just loved the job. Because the job was fun. Exactly. And then they started taking away responsibilities. Now, we still had the hijackings and stuff like that. And the spiel was cut down dramatically. And a lot of it was being automated. And we're just like, we're being phased out. Like, something's happening. I don't like it. Uh, and then we may have gotten some warning. We, I may have seen something I haven't, wasn't supposed to see. And I was like, okay, well, I will have to go. Now, at this time, I didn't want... I have a mechanical background, right? I also went to school. I worked on motorcycles and stuff like that. I wanted to do uh, something new. I felt like I I lived my dream at this point, as, as far as Disney is concerned. I always wanted to work the great movie ride. I worked the great movie ride as a coordinator. I lived my dream. Now I need to like be more mechanical, more professional or whatever. And I think these are all my mistakes because I was just like, okay, I'm going to apply to become a maintenance technician for Disney. <clears throat> and then I moved over to maintenance and I did, um, I got my HVAC training uh, through the apprenticeship there. I got my uh, EPA license. So now I'm a universal EPA holder, 608 universal holder. Um, so they gave me the skill sets that I need to what I'm currently doing. So I'm making decent money. But at the same time, nothing feels the same as working attractions, just making people happy. If you if you get anything from this is do attractions, right? Mm-hmm. Just do attractions. I'll agree to that. You gotta, you gotta do attractions. And that was that was the end of my journey. And I uh, I left in uh, February 2019, and a year later, the pandemic happened. So, yeah. I so. think I lucked out. Like all the choices that I've made have been super lucky. Because I left from a non-essential position to a very essential position mm-hmm. in the time where I needed it, like everybody needs to work. I thought about that a lot too, like working where I worked when the pandemic happened and realizing that that was the smartest thing that could have ever happened. So. Yeah, and it was by sure dumb luck. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a very nice journey. Good journey, Eric. It's a very journey. long journey. Yeah. <laughs> 13 years with the company. Nice. Good good man, good man. Well, my journey is not quite as long. So, <laughs> so it won't be as, as long and detailed as your journey. But my journey started with the Disney College program. You know, being a CP, as we're called. We don't get name tags on our, or what we get with name tags. We don't get the the uh, the hometown on the name tag. We don't. We get the uh, the college instead. So that's how we stand out from the crowd. That's how you know 
CPs are often considered the uh, the least essential of the employees. They're full-time we, employees without the benefits. We, we call them DBs um, behind your backs for a little bit. Um, DB stands for Disney's bitch. Thank you. I appreciate that. You guys are jerks. But let's be real. <laughs> are, were we wrong? We're not wrong. No, but we were essential because we got all you full-timers out on time. You were always happy. To, trust me, at Safari, they were always happy to see the CP bus pull up with the one and two o'clock crew because that meant all the full-timers were getting their ERs. <laughs> so I don't want to hear it. We were very essential, damn it. So I was in my last semester of college, and my college journey was weird, too, because I ended up spending three years in community college instead of the normal two because I ended up kind of taking a year off and working there because I had gotten a job, a student job, and I kind of just took my time with classes because I was loving my job. I was literally working in the broadcasting department. But you can only make that last for so long until you are you are done with all your classes and you have to move on and you have to graduate and then you're not a student employee because they didn't have a full-time position for me. So I said, well, I'm just going to go ahead and pursue my four-year degree. And then I did the opposite thing my last two years in college. I completed my four-year degree in three semesters instead of four. So... I used my last semester to take my one final elective that I had ignored because broadcasting school was demanding. And I was only going to school one day a week on Fridays, and I had a part-time job doing video editing, which it wasn't something lucrative because it was for a wrestling company, and it was under the table. And anybody who knows anything about my history in the pro wrestling business knows that's not a full-time career option. (laughs) Not on the independents, anyway. And I really wasn't sure what I was going to do after graduation. And then my friend Tori, and Tori, I know you're probably listening to this because I'm going to send you this link, so I know you're going to listen to this. She had told me she was going to this meeting about the Disney College program. And I'm like, what the hell is that? And she explains it to me. That's this internship where, and I had never done an internship in college either because you don't have to do one to graduate. I just never did one. And I'm like, well, what's this? She goes, well, it's an internship. You work at Disney and it's paid and I'm going this fall. And I'm like, well, that's great, but I'm graduating. She goes, that's okay. They'll let you do it for your first session after you graduate. It's like the latest that you can do it, right? You can graduate and then go do the Disney internship for that one what would have been semester. So I'm graduating in May of 08 and... I attend this meeting with her and I decide I want to do it. And how the college program works is you do a big phone interview. You you, you put in what you want first. So I, of course, put attractions first. And I just told you what the mindset behind that was. I don't remember what else I put down, but it was definitely attractions was number one priority. I think I put entertainment as number two. And then I think I, I may have put down custodial, actually, because they had convinced me that custodial was different and fun. And honestly, I probably would have enjoyed Custodial, to be honest with you, because that it does seem like Custodial at Disney could be fun. Uh, I don't remember what else I put, but attra- I, I was hell-bent on getting attractions. And that's what I ended up getting. Now, I didn't realize this at the time, but during that phone interview, if you're a talker, 
and you can totally tell I am because I'm a podcaster and anybody who knows me knows I like to talk. That's the Italian side in me. Not only do you get, if you get attractions, you get a spieling attraction. So I got assigned Kilimanjaro safaris and that was actually, I, I wasn't overly thrilled about animal kingdom at first because I really wanted to work at studios and but ended up being one of the, the times of my life because Kilimanjaro Safari was, to me, a perfect Disney college program experience because if you can make it at Kilimanjaro Safari, you can make it almost anywhere at Disney because Safari is spieling. It's extremely high safety because you're actually driving the car while talking. And it's uh, it's considered to be a, uh, what, what did you call it, high impact? Yeah, it's a very high-impact attraction because it's the flagship attraction of Animal Kingdom. So making it in Safari can open up a lot of doors for you. And when my internship ended, I decided to go seasonal and try to just pick up shifts because I had made that decision to move to Florida and pursue Disney as a career. I noticed very quickly after two months of living as a seasonal cast member and picking up shifts that this was not going to be sustainable to achieve rent and food and all that stuff. So I had to find something with a more direct schedule. And at Disney, you have to put yourself on a list and you always go part-time before full-time. So I was like, well, I need to do something else. And since I'm already here, I can't just apply. I have to apply as a transfer so I put in to go to, uni to Universal Studios, and I got my interview at Universal, and this is what you mentioned about the interview and the process behind it, right, is I, I wanted attractions, and they were trying to put me in uh, Midway. You know what Midway is, right? Midway. That's the uh, carnival th thing. The carnival it? shit, yeah. Yeah. They wanted okay. to put me at Midway, and they were pushing that on me. And I said, no, I'd really rather do attractions. So if you have a waiting list, can you please put me on that and call me when attractions are available? And I guess that that was the right answer because the guy said, hold on a second. He got up. He went and talked to somebody. And when he came back, he revealed that they had a position open at Disaster. So I think that was that's part of the strategy, right, is we're going to push you where we want you. But if you're really insistent, we'll give you what you want. So for anybody who might listen to this and ever want to apply at the parks, please be clear about where you want to go and don't take anything less than what you want. It's because I think you're right when you, when you mentioned that earlier, Eric. Everybody wants to get a foot in the door, so they just accept stuff, and that's what they're used to. So when you get someone like this, it opens up an extra door for you because you show that passion. This is what you want, and that's what they want. That's truly what they want. It probably also helps them filter out a lot of crap, too. Oh, yeah. So. I, I, I want to say they should do a study and see how many people leave the company based on they didn't get what they wanted when they got hired. Oh, I'm sure that's a very big number. I think that'd be a fascinating study. So, yeah, I was, I was all about what I was all about this, right? Like, I got, I got what I wanted. I got a part-time position at Disaster, and then, ironically, they offered me full-time, like, a week before Disney called and said a part-time position had opened at Safari, and I had to turn it down because I was like, I'm sorry, 
thank you very much, but they're actually giving me full time and I went with that. Even though it was technically less money, but it was full time guarantee, which meant I had the guaranteed hours and I got the benefits and I needed that at the time. Because I was living, yeah. you know, yeah, I had roommates, but I was living on my own for the first time ever. Truly on my own, because this wasn't college anymore where everything was paid for. It wasn't even the CP program where they just took rent out of your out of your paycheck and all the money you took home was yours to do what you wanted because we didn't have utility bills. I cranked the AC in that apartment. You kidding me? <laughs> I made sure we were comfortable. I had actual responsibilities now. So I did full-time at Disaster. And while I was there, I cross-trained at the Beetlejuice show and the Fear Factor show. Because those were easy cross-training. Because Beetlejuice was technically part of the Disaster team. And truthfully, so was Fear Factor as an attraction standpoint. As like an operational standpoint. So, those were a lot of fun. And then, of course, here comes the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. And I signed up to be on the opening crew. Because I was really excited about that. Now, I got everything I wanted at Disaster. I was full-time, I was trainer, and I was also uh, tower trained. Which, as you know, for those of you guys who don't know, tower is basically the control center of the attraction. And they only let certain people do tower. Like, you have to be good at your job and they know you're not flaky. And I, was- I actually appreciate that versus what Disney does and they just blanket train everybody. Yes. I, I think that's – we can have a, a discussion about the things that Disney and Universal do better than the other because it actually is a pretty 50-50 list if you really break it down. But that's one thing I always said Universal did better was how they tower trained people because they made sure that you knew what you were doing and you were trusted before you could do that. So I had everything I wanted at Disaster, but there was nowhere really for me to go because Disaster was the, the the redheaded stepchild of Universal. That's what they actually called it. Sorry, Katie. Love you. But, you know, <laughs> that's the terminology that was used. Disaster wasn't prioritized. If Jaws needed something, people would step over themselves to get Jaws what they needed. If Disaster needed something, eh, we'll let that go later. There was a very big stereotype that because it was a show-based attraction and there was downtime between shows that the cast members or team members there, sorry, were considered lazy. And you know what? A lazy person's going to be lazy no matter where you put them. So I don't like that comparison. And I think you could agree with that, Eric. Yeah. Lazy people are going to be lazy no matter where you put them. And hard workers are going to work hard no matter where you put them. God forbid the hard worker is allowed to take a breather before they have to do a bunch of stuff on cue. I don't know. I always I mean, thought that I, was unfair. I thought about just picking up smoking just so I can get an extra break. Oh, my God. That's a, I don't even want to talk about people who take smoke breaks because that's a, that's a job-wide issue for me. Every job I've ever worked at had at least one smoke break person who took advantage of it. But... I had discovered a love for hospitality, and I was having a blast. Now I got to do the opening team of Harry Potter. We'll do an entire episode based on that so I can tell all my stories about being on the commissioning team and then being there for opening day. And I did all the Harry Potter attractions. I never got formally trained at Dragon Coaster, but I did do... I got rescued there a couple of times. Oh, and for people not in the know, at Universal they do a thing called rescuing where if... For example, too many people call off at the mummy that day. 
but your Harry Potter team is overstaffed because they would always purposely overstaff every attraction. Imagine this. This is something a lot of jobs could take a note for, including the job I just left here in Pennsylvania. Hint, hint. And Disney. And Disney. Yeah. They would overstaff to compensate so if when they would rescue you to that attraction, you'd work there for the day and you would do all the positions that didn't require formal training. Stuff that was cross-trainable. Uh, greeter, for example. You would be put at greeter or you would do redemption scanning. For dragons, they would have us do grouper because you don't have to know anything about the coaster to group. You just have to know how many people go into a seat. And dragon is a fun grouping thing because the front row groups itself, which everybody demands. I want to go in the front row. Cool, get in that line. I worry about rows two through eight. And it was never hard to fill a coaster because it's a roller coaster and people are excited about it. So I did Harry Potter and the Forbidden Journey. I did Flight of the Hippogriff and I did Ollivanders. And then I left Universal to come back to work at Disney when things there just weren't working out the way I wanted. That's how I ended up at Interventions. And I did some of all thrills. I did Interventions host. And then I also did Interventions presenter. And I did everything that was available at that time. And then when things at Disney weren't going my way anymore, I chose to leave the company and then eventually just leave Florida. But my love and passion for hospitality transferred, and I worked a couple of different hotel jobs before I finally got tired of hospitality after 10 years and decided to move into warehouse work. And like you said, I got to live my dream. I got to work at Disney and Universal, and I got to live there and experience it whenever I wanted. And now I do genuinely enjoy warehouse work. Don't get me wrong. It's not this, it's not necessarily living the dream, but now I'm working at a job that takes care of me financially with good benefits and is considered very frontline essential, which was key when the pandemic hit because I was working at a pet supply place and veterinary hospitals still need their supplies because they're considered essential. So therefore we were considered essential because we supply them. And I know that if I was at the parks, I know that they did take care of their employees for a little bit, but then I also saw the furloughs and everything happening. So I do think that I made the right decision at that time. So I didn't have a wide Disney birth like you did, but I had a much better universal experience than you did. And that's where we kind of balance each other out. Yeah. <clears throat> but we both spent, I spent six Six and a half years-ish in the theme parks. You spent 13 years there, and that's still a significant amount of time. I mean, between Universal and <laughs> Disney, it, it totals 15 years. Yeah. But still. Over. I, <clears throat> I don't think you have to work there an extended period of time to have a love and appreciation for it. So when we invite people to join us on the show, yeah, maybe you've only worked there a year and you only did this one ride, but you can still come on and talk about it. You know what I mean? Like... And we're not just limiting ourselves to to rides and shows. We can do episodes on restaurants. We can talk about the theming and the food. And we can talk about the individual parks as a whole and fun facts about. We could do an episode on the general Magic Kingdom and then break down into each land and then each ride from each land. There's no real limit to what we can do on this show. And we can talk about different jobs there. We can interview people. We can... You know, we we can have we can do whatever we want on this show. Um, so real quick, Eric, what I'd like to know is what's your favorite Disney park? 
really tough. Um, because if if you would have asked me when I first started working at Disney, I would have said studios for a rock and roller coaster because I was a coaster person. Then mid through my journey, I would have been like, uh, probably uh, Animal Kingdom because safaris and they have the coaster and they have dinosaur, right? Uh, but now, if I were to go back, it would definitely be Epcot. Mm-hmm. When I was a kid, yeah. When I was a kid, I loved Magic Kingdom. As an adult, I'm frustrated with it because that's the park where everybody's always in the most rush. And then I used to tell myself it was Studios when I was a kid because that had all the stuff I wanted. And then I used to tell myself it was Animal Kingdom when I worked there because I was passionate about it. But no, the reality is Epcot. 100% Epcot. And to everybody who has ever told me that they hated Epcot or were bored by it, including my old boss if he happens to be listening to this, because God, you broke my heart with that. You just don't get it. You just don't get it. Epcot's freaking amazing. It's... It has all the entertainment that you actually, like... That you can enjoy the park in a day. Yeah. You can enjoy it without feeling rushed. The food is amazing. The theming is great. And the The events that they have... is off the wall. Yeah. Epcot feels relaxed, right? Like, compared compared to Studios or Magic Kingdom, doesn't Epcot just feel more relaxed and laid back? Yeah. Well, because they opened the park in two segments. Like, you got your attractions, and then you got the World Showcase. And then the World Showcase opens up later than the actual, like, you know, attraction area. Right. I think that's brilliant. Uh, like, you son of a bitch. You fucking figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> you get, you're going to make us channel our inner gold blooms because we're so excited about this. <laughs> no, you're you're absolutely right. Uh and I when it comes to Universal, I'm always gonna prefer the classic studios over Islands. Islands does have some fun stuff, but nothing beats the classic studios. It really doesn't. And I God, I wanna go I wanna get back to Disneyland and Universal Hollywood because I wanna experience them again as an adult. Like I said, I only went the one time and I was 16 or 17. So while I have good memories, they're not as vivid as they could be because I went in 2001. The only real positive about that that I remember was that we went the summer before 9-11, so flying was really easy because that was a cross-country trip. We flew into Las Vegas. We did a whole vacation, Las Vegas, Southern California, and the Grand Canyon. Like, we did a whole vacation out of it, and it was crazy good. And I remember because my sister didn't come with us. It was just me and my parents because she was in college at the time, she was able to drive us to the airport and walk with us up to the gate, which you can't do that anymore. Security is the uh, the end-all, be-all there now. But uh, what, a, what a vacation, and I'd love to get back there. And I don't know. I, I kind of want to visit the parks around the world. I, I am hell-bent on getting to that Super Nintendo world at the end of 2022. I'm actually... I've actually looked into getting a Rosetta Stone to learn some Japanese just conversational Japanese so I can function over there. You know what I mean? Like, they, I'm dead set about that. They speak English. Yes, they do, but I want to I want to be able to understand more than that. Because <laughs> you I... You just want to... 
understand them when they're talking shit about us. Exactly. For being American. Exactly. <laughs> Have you been out of the country, Eric? Uh, no. Yes. See, I did a, I did a study abroad in France. And I know what it's like now to be in that environment because I knew such basic French that I could never have survived by myself. Fortunate because we went we went as a broadcasting and French class, right? We went as a team. So the broadcasting students didn't know anything about the French language. Thankfully, we were there with the, with a bunch of kids who did speak French. So they were able to help us with our uh, with our broadcasting projects, which required translation of French into English. Except for the guy who ran the pub that I interviewed because he was British. So that one I didn't have to, I didn't need a translator for. But I, I remember, like, because once I started learning my way around for the month that I was there, I would just go out for a walk, like, in between classes just by myself and be like, if I didn't know what I was doing, I'd be so lost right now. That's why I've never been impatient with people who speak broken English, even though there were a couple of, of foreign tour groups that were frustrating That'll come on a future episode. But when they would attempt to speak to us, I understood the difficulty that they were going through. And I don't honestly know if I would have had that mentality and mindset if I hadn't experienced it myself. So I want to learn as much basic Japanese as I can so that I can attempt to talk to them. And then if I realize that they can speak to me in English, because... This is what I've learned about Japanese culture from people who've been there. Once they know that you're attempting to respect them and try to talk to them, they'll actually speak to you in English and let you be comfortable. Because you tried. And I'm dead set on getting to that Super Nintendo world. Because Nintendo. And I think you should come with me. Oh, man. I want to. We'll, we'll see how my finances work. There uh, you go. See? You got a goal now, buddy. You have approximately 18 months to figure this out. So let's go. Let's get this together. Let's do this. Because <laughs> I want to go I want to go uh, when the weather's nicer, obviously. And I'd like to go maybe even around my birthday. You know what's going to happen. What's COVID-22. Shut up, Eric. <laughs> Just stop. I don't need everybody coming back to this episode and being like, ah, oh, this is when it all went down. <laughs> <laughs> they were like that motherfucker he was right oh, that damn that damn Eric okay so we've talked about our uh, our favorite parks and everything what would be your favorite rides off the top of your head you could break it down by park if that's easier for you oh sure uh, favorite ride in Magic Kingdom is going to be Haunted Mansion okay I'll co-sign on that okay uh, favorite ride at Studio is probably going to be Rock and Roller Coaster yeah, you know what? Or I Tower think, of Terror. I think I'm going to. I think I'm going to co-sign on a rock and roller coaster. And the only reason I prefer coaster over tower is because rides that just do straight drops have a tendency to make me queasy. Roller coasters really don't. So I can ride coaster more than I can ride tower. I have to. I either have to take a Dramamine or I can do co tower one time and then I need to take a break from it. You know what I mean? Tower can't yeah. be a repeat ride for me, but. Oh, I love Tower of Terror. It's so much fun. And Tower of Terror. I picked Tower of Terror because you spend more time in air conditioning in the queue. <laughs> okay, fair. <laughs> fair. If that's what we're going for. Okay. And don't get me wrong. Um, I love what they've done with Star Wars over there. 
But it's just because it's so crowded and so overly complicated. And don't get me wrong. Rise of the Resistance is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. When it comes to, like, an immersive theme park ride with theming and Star Wars theme and everything. It's everything I could have ever wanted out of a Star Wars ride. But it's just, it's got, it's still, it's still because it's the new shiny toy, it's still a very frustrating experience. So, let me have my rock and roller coaster because Aerosmith. And I think that True. helps, too, is I, I love Aerosmith. So, I'm a, yeah, that's a, yeah. okay, that's an easy one. All right, how about Epcot? Well, uh, Epcot, I'm going to have to go with Test Track. I love Test Track. See, I like OG uh, Test Track, not new Test Track. Same, but I don't know any of the new stuff right now. And, and I, I don't want to pick Soren because Soren is great. It's fantastic, but it's not my favorite. Can I just. Like, can it's I throw, a very relaxing ride. Yeah. Can I throw a controversial opinion out here? Because people don't like hearing this. I liked Soren Around the World better than Soren over California because. Okay, the California thing was cool, and that works for California Adventure, which is where the origination of the ride came from. But I 100% preferred Soarin' Around the World because I liked seeing the exotic locations better. I enjoyed that more. And I know that's apparently a very unpopular opinion, but I still got my Patrick Warburton, so I'm happy. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm still Um, still happy with that. You know what I mean, Elizabeth? Let's look at the things that are actually in Epcot, uh, because there's not a whole lot of choice now. No. The Maelstrom's gone. That's replaced with the Frozen ride. Mission Space is still right. there. Spaceship Earth is still there. But that's getting a rehaul soon. So, oh, I do love Spaceship Earth. How the hell did I miss that? It's a big ball that's when you really, walk really, in. How could you miss it? You know oh, what? God. Epcot's a tough one for me because it's between Spaceship Earth and Living with the Land as my two favorite rides. Because again, I'll have to go with Spaceship Earth. There, but there, it's the laid back park. I don't go to Epcot for thrill rides, which is one of the complaints I used to get. Epcot doesn't feature enough thrill rides for some of these people. But I always love Spaceship Earth because of the history and the atmosphere. I love Burning Rome. The smell, the smell of Burning Rome is great. I, I like technology. I can appreciate the the evolution that you go through. But then living with the land is just such a nice, relaxing, fun ride. So it's a, it's yeah. a tough one. It really I'll is. I'll have to pick Space to Birth just because you're in there longer. Mm-hmm. And, like, the AC. <laughs> you're just okay, the AC but, oh, now time out. The greenhouses have AC. Yes, yes, they do. They do, but you're not in that ride as long as you are a uh, uh, Space of Birth. Okay. All right, all right, all right. All right. Uh, and then what? Animal Kingdom, I guess? Yes, Animal Kingdom. See, Animal Kingdom is a really tough one for me because I, I have not been to, like, Avatar, right? I haven't experienced any of the new stuff. So I only have old things to base myself off of. So basically, it comes down to um, safaris, Everest, or dinosaur. I mean, and the, here's one of those things the, where I have to say, if I had to do one attraction, it's going to be safari. But I love dinosaur. Dinosaur is a fun ride. My only issue with dinosaur is it breaks down way too much. <laughs> like. It's always got a delay. It's always got a breakdown issue. But it is fun. Yeah, Everest is fun, too. 
But see, the default answer for me has to be Safari, and it's not just because I worked there and have such good memories of it, but Safari really is a great ride because it encompasses what Animal Kingdom is. It's preservation and it's animals. Real life animals. Get over it, skippers. Our animals were real. Do you remember the old Animal Kingdom commercials, Not a Zoo? <laughs> yes, Not a Zoo. Yes, loved it. I, I don't like what Safari has become, unfortunately. They got rid of too much of the actual ride theming with the tilted bridge, and they got rid of Wilson and everything. All for the sake of zebras. That'll come on a future episode. But man, I always had a blast riding Safari. And that's the other thing. Because of animals, and you can ride Safari three times in a day and get three completely different rides. Yeah, my whole thing is that it's way too... There's a theme, right? I love air conditioning. It's way too fucking hot in Animal Kingdom, period. <laughs> well, Animal Kingdom is the hottest <laughs> park because that foliage is so thick it traps a lot of air. I know that for a fact. Yeah. yeah. So it's just... I'm, I, if I'm going during the winter, then yeah, safari all day. But... If you're going during the summer, don't. <laughs> just if, don't. If you're going any other time <laughs> than that one week in February... <laughs> Don't go to that park. Now, now, now. I went in December, and it was it, it was, was fine. eighty-five. It was not eighty-five. It was in the seventies. It was comfortable. Yeah, but they're not taking the the heat from actual Animal Kingdom. It's probably 85. okay. Fine. All right. So we've talked about our favorite rides in each park, and by the way. Mark, if you're listening to this, thank you so much for the hookup at Avatar when we were down in 2019. I know you said that that was going to be my favorite ride. It was fun, but it's not my favorite ride at Animal Kingdom, and I'm sorry to say that. Please don't be too heartbroken about that. What Tr ride? Uh, the big one, Flight Flight of Passage. Oh. It's I, a for whatever very reason, cool ride. I don't remember what I the boat ride is called. Primeval World or something. I was oh like, Oh my what? god, no. No, no, no. We're talking about most hated attractions. <laughs> no, no, no. Chester and Hester. No, 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 no. No, no, no. No midway at Disney. Goes against everything Walt believed in. Okay, how about uh, Universal? Let's hop over to Universal. Favorite rides over there. Okay, uh, favorite ride at the studios. Let's keep it current because I, I want to go back and revisit some old stuff. Because I know you're going to say Back to the Future, but... Okay, well... I don't know. Uh, Transformers? I, I'll give you my favorite... Oh, cool. I can give you my favorite Universal ride easy. The Mummy. The Mummy coaster. Oh, right. Fuck, yeah, no, fuck. The Mummy. <laughs> the Mummy's great. <laughs> that is, that <laughs> is the best. I forgot it even existed. You know what? Um, I forgot to talk about this during my, my ride history, but I worked at The Mummy for three months while Disaster was being refurbished. I rescued at the Mummy for a little bit. Yeah, but that's why whenever Mummy needed rescues at Harry Potter, I always volunteered to get rescued because I was fully trained there. So I didn't have to just do a greeter rotation. I could actually work the platform. That's I always, whenever they were like, Mummy needs a rescue, I'm like, right here, right here. Because if I was going to be getting rescued, I wasn't going to a ride that I had. I never once got rescued and got stuck at an all-day greeter. The only time I ever got rescued was to a ride that needed it, that I could work at. And I'm, I'm proud to say that. But yeah, dude, oh my god, the Mummy Coaster. It's still one of the best rides in both parks. 
they they better yeah. never get rid of that. And it's not even that long of a ride, but it's it's because of what it does in the during the ride. It's so much fun. I think for Islands of Adventure, mine's is going to have to be. Uh, it's going to the Hulk. Hulk coaster. Yeah, Hulk, Hulk coaster is fun. It would have been dueling dragons or whatever they're calling it now, it's but they modified anymore, it. Yeah, yeah, I it's, know. It's, I do. I do still enjoy Forbidden Journey when I'm when I get a chance to ride it, but. Uh, I've always been a really, really big fan of that Spider-Man ride. It's so much fun. And that's why I didn't really the- like the Transformers ride that much. Because to me, it was just a Spider-Man clone. Just with Transformers. True, but I had said. to pick something. <laughs> oh, I, I get it. Forgot about the movie. How the I fuck it. did I forget about the movie? I get it. Spider-Man's great because it was the first of its kind. And it, it was, in my opinion, the shit. Right, like yeah. if you had to take all of these 3D simulating or ride type things with the screen, it's hands down that, yeah, and then too everything many else. Screens, too many screens now. I can't wait to do our episode on the Fast and the Furious ride. You want to talk about hated rides? All right. I haven't done it. <laughs> Don't. All right, before we we'll, we'll we'll compliment sandwich this. We'll we'll do hated rides first, and then we'll do past attractions that we loved. That way we can compliment sandwich this. All right. What's a ride you absolutely freaking hated? And you can you can Primeval do it World. park by park. <laughs> okay, there you go. <laughs> Primeval World is the fucking worst. <laughs> it's bad. It's pretty bad. Uh, it's no longer there, but I've always said that Stitch's Great Escape was my least favorite attraction I've ever been on. I loathed every second of it. And I love Lilo and Stitch, but I could not stand that ride and anything about it. Just what it what it was and knowing what it used to be. Um, I feel like they should have just left it as Alien Encounter. Yeah, they probably should have. Um, I know you were a fan of Body Wars. That ride always made me motion sick, so I did never had a positive experience there. Sadly, sad to say, and I think that's a problem, right? Is if a ride has made you sick, you don't have fond memories of it. Yep, Mission Space. There you go. And I, I, I enjoyed Mission Space on the times I've been on it, but man, that I had to talk myself into going on that orange because, you know, it's uh, you have to be prepared for what that actually does to you. I acknowledge that it's a great ride. I know that it's a good ride, but it did make me sick. And just like tequila, once it happens, can't do it mm-hmm. again. All right. Uh, hated rides. Uh, F the teacups because... Spinning rides like that, just that's gonna be that's gonna be a vomit factory for me. I cannot spin for that long for that period of time and have happy playing music in the background while it's happening. That's just friggin' cruel. And then Oh my god. Katie, please don't get mad at me for this. Please. I love you so much, Katie. You're such a great friend. Country Bear Jamboree can piss up a rope. I'm sorry. I'm j- I'm sorry. She's going to she get so upset with me. I second I second that. Oh, okay, good. Take some of the heat, please. Please. I mean, I said it first so she can give most of it to me, but yeah. Yeah, I just no. I second the teacups. <laughs> I second the teacups. I don't think people are as defensive about teacups as they are about country bears, though. 
Yeah, Country Bear is just not for me. That's not. It's not. I don't. It's not. I can't. Honestly, that's the cool thing, though, is I can't really think of too many hated attractions. You know, I know stuff I've been on, and like like that Swiss Family Robinson Treehouse, I did it. And I'm like, well, that's a thing I've done, and I've never done it since because it's just a walkthrough. But I did it. I can say I've done it. I don't really have a strong opinion of it positively or really negatively either. It was just a thing that I did. You know. I know my hated attraction in Epcot. Okay, go for it. Uh, I can't remember uh, the Circle of Life Theater. Oh, the, cir- the you mean the Circle of Life Theater. That's exactly yeah. what it's called. Yeah. But that was such an easy position to work. Because oh, it's a great position to work it. But can you imagine now going there and be like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, okay. It's such an 80s, early 90s video, man. Of just like, hey, we're polluting the planet. Look at these cars. They're polluting the planet. You're polluting the planet. Go out and have fun at Disney. Have a nice day. Like, what the fuck just happened? (laughs) You know what I always... I, I, I enjoyed it, but I also hated it, was that Timon and Pumbaa safety show that I did as an Interventions presenter. The reason I hated it was because it wasn't working it that was the bad part. It was that in the video itself, Timon and Pumbaa don't really acknowledge you and kind of make you feel like crap because it's all about them and not about you. Every other presenter attraction, it was about you. You were the one running the show here. But in that one, all your cues were basically to just give an example while they watched but they never once, like, thanked you or acknowledged you or anything. And that's when I drew my ultimate conclusion. No matter what happens in this world, Timon and Pumbaa are dicks. And they just don't care about anything other than themselves because Hakuna Matata. Yeah, I know they helped Simba, but Timon also trash-talked the Pride Lands at the same time. Timon and Pumbaa are dicks. And it's pretty much... What we have to solidify that as. Okay. um, Because I know we're going to get close to wrapping up here in a second here. What is your favorite attractions that no longer exist? Obviously, Back to the Future, which I will co-sign with you on. Great movie ride. Ride was so great. Great movie ride. Mm -hmm. Uh, Alien Encounter at Magic Kingdom. The the only legitimate scary ride that ever existed at Disney. Like, legit scary. And it was so freaking cool. I, I feel all, like they haven't really go for it. Dragons, Hanna Barbera. It's going to be mostly Universal stuff because yeah. <laughs> Universal changes the most. Yeah, I was gonna. I was really thinking about it over at Disney, and like, there's really nothing at at uh, an Animal Kingdom. Oh no! No wait, wait, hold up. The Lion King show. They took yeah. away. Uh, they took that away. So took away the Lion King show, which was a lot of fun. Yeah, that's the thing with defunct attractions is there's so many of them and they're all – it always sucks when you lose a defunct attraction that you really, really liked. What about uh, what about parades and shows, nighttime shows? What are you a fan of and what are you not a fan of? fan of parades in general to be perfectly honest. I'll, I'll be real with you. But I do love the fireworks shows. So um, I am a big fan of Illuminations Over Wishes. Mm-hmm. Agree. Wishes, wishes has the music, 
but I love Illuminations. And to well, me, I love the song of Illuminations. You know what I like love about Illuminations over Wishes? Wishes is another reminder that you're at Disney, but there are parts of Epcot where you can forget you're at Disney. And Illuminations was a celebration of culture, not Disney. Like, yeah. don't get me wrong. I love Fantasmic. But I would still rather watch Illuminations. Still rather watch Illuminations. And, yeah. My I've... thing is, with with Fantasmic in general, like, the technology is great. The show is great. But I do not want to go to a theater to watch a nighttime event. Like, it should happen in the sky. I should be able to just look up wherever I'm at and mm. see it happen. Okay, that's cool. That's the other cool thing about Illuminations is there's so many play Wishes can suck because you kind of have to be in front of the castle, especially now that the castle show is there. So it's always super crowded. But with Illuminations, you can be almost anywhere around World Showcase and get a great view. You really can. Um... So I know you said you're not a fan of parades. I have two Disney parades that I absolutely love. You know what they are? Three o'clock parade. <laughs> yeah, what time is that no, at? I don't. The Very Merry and, and the Not So Scary parades. And I love those parades because they're themed to my two favorite holidays. Because okay. I love Halloween and I love Christmas. That's why the end of the year is my favorite time of year. My favorite parade is um, around 9 o'clock at Epcot, where everybody starts to leave. <laughs> it's fucking fantastic. Parade of people leaving the park. If I could come up with a more perfect way to wrap up this debut podcast, I don't think I could have summed that up any better with the... Uh... Okay, so I think we've pretty much, uh, we've pretty much set our piece, I think. I think everybody knows what this show is going to be now. So for our next episode, I don't know when that is or who's going to be on it or even what we're going to talk about, but I'll try to announce that on social media. If you follow the CKCC radio or Nerd Table podcast pages, I'll try to follow that. I might even make a social media account just for this show, just because it's going to be so different from the other stuff that we're doing. But you can subscribe to CKCC radio anywhere you get your favorite podcast. We're on Apple, Spotify, iTunes, Google, uh, iHeartRadio. We're on all those places. I've looked into getting us onto Amazon. I actually don't know if I ever got the follow-up email on that, but we might be well, there. I haven't gotten my email, so yeah. I, I don't think it's happened yet. Yeah, but that's the thing. You can subscribe on this channel. Uh, once we launch the new CKCCRadio.com, it does exist. You can look at it. There's almost nothing there right now, but that'll be your guide to these episodes. So you can just go to the website, click on Park Hopper 101, and then you can just get individual links to all the episodes so you don't have to go nuts going through the feed. But I'll probably will make a social media page that you can follow along. And... When you want to be on an episode, reach out to us. Tell us specifically what you want to talk about. Hey, I want to be on to talk about Safari, Interventions. Uh, I want to talk about Magic Kingdom. I want to talk about Wishes, whatever. Let me know what your list is so I can list it. And then when we decide who we're going to reach out to, what we want to talk about next, we know who to contact, who to schedule, and then we can start planning an episode around that schedule. And I think that's going to kind of be how it goes, is the episode content will be based on 
whoever's available at that point to talk about the thing they want to talk about. We might have one guest, we might have three guests. Probably no more than that, though. And if you think a topic is worth coming on multiple times to talk about, let us know if you think you have a different perspective. Because, like, let's say we do a Haunted Mansion episode talking to just people who are fans of the ride, but we don't have an employee on. We might do a follow-up Haunted Mansion episode and actually have somebody who worked there. Because there might be different stories there. But this is how you guys can reach out to us and enjoy this new mini-series podcast. Like I said, we'll try to get one out once a month. So we will be in contact with people once you reach out to us. And really, anybody's welcome. Reach out to your friends. Let them know what we're doing here. We want to invite people to join us because Eric and I can only talk so much about the stuff that we've experienced. And there's only so much research I can do going on Google and looking up history of these rides. Having somebody who really worked there or was really knowledgeable on it more than we are, or even maybe even more than the internet is, is going to be the helpful factor here. So I think we've pretty much summed it up. And look at that, Eric. We were almost we were positive almost the whole time. How about that? We were positive the whole time. Yeah. Except for that one time. Well, we yeah. Talk about that. We did, talk, <laughs> we did talk about some rides we don't like, but we can still spin that into funny, entertaining stuff here. I don't want I want to educate people and really give them a behind the scenes look at a lot of this stuff, but I don't want it to be just some informational video that you can download and have somebody speaking with like a droll voice just being like, This ride opened and this year it consists of this many parts and uh no Bueller Bueller <laughs> Yeah. This is gonna be a fun, upbeat, uplifting podcast. And the only thing I will tell anybody is if you're concerned about saying something on the show that you think could compromise your job, then don't say it. If I have to do extensive editing on the show, I'm not going to be happy. The extent of my editing and Eric's editing is to balance out the audio and maybe add an intro soundtrack and a closing thing. That's what we do on the nerd table. That's all the editing that I do is you balance the audio, you send me the clip. And then I add my little, I edit my little intros and outros. That's, yep, that's all the editing I want to do. So if you tell a story, you're like, oh, I can't tell this story. Please cut that. I'm going to be so mad. Be like, oh, fine. Then just don't tell the story. But we don't want people to come on here and tell <laughs> compromising stories anyway. We're trying to focus on the ride themselves and, and the fun stuff about it. Yes, I understand there's going to be some guest stories that we're going to have to tell. Because some of them are really funny. But you know what I'm saying. So let's hear that feedback, guys. Uh, leave us some comments. Throw us some emails. Let's hear some feedback on what you thought of this show and what you think of the job me and Eric are doing. And we'll be able to work with that. And if the popularity is really good, we'll try to get you that next episode as soon as possible. Maybe in the next week or two, we'll have another episode out for you. Because Eric and I have our list of rides we definitely want to talk about. But again, let's say somebody who worked at SeaWorld comes on and talks about one of their roller coasters. Come on, talk about Manta or something like that. That would be fascinating for the two of us because we never worked at SeaWorld. So we may not know some of the, the history behind it. All I know is it's a B&M coaster. That's about all I know. So there you go. Nice and positive, Eric. 
Hey, real quick. Oh. Do you still point with two fingers or did you finally get that out of your system? Nope, still point with two fingers. Okay. I'm finally past that point, but I still on occasion catch myself with two fingers out instead of one. So I don't think uh, it's ever truly gone. I sometimes use open palm to point. I still yeah, do that. It's still a gesture. Yeah. My, uh, over there. <laughs> I just got really mad when I saw the Miz doing the Disney point because it's the Miz on WWE television and he totally did the, the Disney point and I'm like what is he doing why is he doing that but I also do kind of like the Miz so can't be too mad so yeah you never truly get that out of your system so to all of our wonderful friends who are part of this nerd table community who I know have listened to this episode Katie, Miranda, Hannah specifically because you guys have actively talked to me about the show um, Josh, Paul Nolan, I'm not going to go crazy name dropping people because I'll inevitably leave somebody out. But like Matt, who's part of our Among Us streams, like, and Eric, I know you got tons of friends that you're still in touch with. Reach out to us. We'd love to have you on this show so you can talk about your memories and everything. And we can really break these rides down and have a, a cool roundtable discussion. And I think that's just about it. I think we've gotten given themselves a nice little pilot here. Yeah, I'm going to title it Let the Magic Begin because that's what we're going to do. We're going to really utilize that magic. And I can say that because it was Disney magic and Harry Potter magic <laughs> that I've got. So I can use all the magic I want. Oh, man. You know what I need right now? A monster. Oh, jeez. Okay. And a Snickers? And a Snickers. Oh, my God. I wish I had a Snickers. <laughs> okay. Okay. Real quick. Real quick. What's the best snack at Disney World, and why is it Dole Whip? <laughs> I was going to say Dole Whip. <laughs> uh, it, it's Dole Whip, and it's because it's fucking delicious, and you, Should, yeah, you really can't get it anywhere else. We're going to do, do a whole episode on snacks at one point. I think uh, one episode de dedicated to quick service snacks must must happen. So thank you guys for listening. Check Eric and I out on the Nerd Table each and every week. You can also listen to me on the Stupid Sexy Podcast, where I review every Simpsons ever. And you can check out Eric on Sick Minds of Matt and Eric, where they talk about video games, anime, and just, well, they got sick minds. I don't really know how else to sell that one on you. If you like the sick sense of humor, you're going to love it. But, uh, but yes, this is uh, Eric and I are about to record a, an episode of The Nerd Table that you guys will hear Sunday morning, which this will probably come out before that, because I'll probably release this on Saturday. It's probably when you guys are listening to it anyway. So, yeah, thank you for tuning in. You know how to reach us. And I look forward to our very first roundtable discussion on one of these magical rides at Walt Disney World. Hell if I know what it's going to be, but we'll try to make the announcement beforehand. And we will see you guys then. Eric, we'll see you real soon, buddy. See you real soon. <laughs>